I want to go directly into the word of God and just very quickly before I do dive in, don't forget the men's big breakfast that's been announced. Don't forget the Inspire Homeschool Conference coming up. And that is an amazing ministry. And many parents are either in a homeschool evaluation process or some are already taking their children through homeschooling. And to help coordinate that, Bina and Anthony Walker, you've heard Anthony speak on Wednesday nights, does a phenomenal job. Well, you may not have had a chance to meet his wife, Bina, yet. She is an extraordinarily capable person. And let me just direct you, when you go out into the lobby, if these things interest you, you want to be a part of that conference and see what it's about, how to get started, what it looks like, talk to people involved and et cetera. Look for the two most radiant smiles out there. That's Anthony and Bina. You can't miss them. And they are amazing. Amen. And I think that that will be an extraordinary blessing to many of you. Um, The other day I received a phone call from Rice University. The professor of religion um, had called and uh, he's going to be a professor at Harvard beginning in the fall semester. I'm talking about, it could be here, and uh, Dr. Holmwood, if you're here, I would love to acknowledge you, and uh, just, if not, uh, just, I, I was honored that he called, because if there's anybody that knows the significance of the kind of report I'm going to tell you about in a moment, it's me. I can't do anything by myself. Jesus said it, and I've accepted him at his word. That without me, you can do nothing. And I have figured that out. I need him in everything I do. Unless the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. But Dr. Homewood had called and he said, we keep hearing about Inspire Church everywhere we go in the city. And as I mentioned, he's professor of religion and will be professor of religion at Harvard. He said, I'd like to talk to you. So Andrew and I met him and uh, he came visited with us and he began the conversation by saying that I'm not sure if you know, but this city has a remarkable history of visitations from God and they're not confined to one denomination. They cross over several, a number of them, Anglican, Baptist, Uh, independent groups, charismatic uh, groups, Pentecostal, uh, Methodist. There are a number of churches that have had extraordinary visitations of God. But he said, the reason that we wanted to speak, I wanted to speak to you, is he said, you were visited by God here. And he said, it hasn't stopped. And we keep hearing that. And he said, all of the others, he said, almost without exception, He said, it stopped, the churches are dead, and some of them don't even exist anymore. And he said, what made the difference here? And it's something that I had already spent a lot of time thinking about. And um, I took a moment to answer. And Andrew helped me. I thought Andrew phrased the answer to the question better than I did. But essentially, it's that 
I don't ever want to lose the awe of God personally. I don't want to. Because everything flows down from leadership that understands the magnificence and the holiness and the nature and the awe of God. And when leaders lose that, people kind of lose their way too. And we're supposed to, by leaders, there's this remarkable passage in the book of Joshua where it said that the priests that carried the Ark of the Covenant were to get out 2,000 uh, cubits, I think it was, if I remember correctly, in front of everybody else so that they could clearly see the glory of God that was in front of them. And it was to be born on the shoulders of the priest, the Ark of the Covenant. That was the manifest presence of God. And God was saying, don't gather all around it and you're going to not be able to tell which way it's going if you're in a circle around it. So you follow it, keep it in view. And uh, leaders have to keep some things in view. They have to make certain they don't lose sight of some objectives. Why? Because the nation is going to follow. And I want to talk to you today about how to maintain the awe of God, but I'm going to go to a passage of scripture that doesn't seem to be related to this at all. And if you will be kind and bear with me, and when I'm done, I would love to meet all of our first-time attendees who are here uh, this weekend with us. I'll be out in the lobby for a little while, then I've got a race to uh, get uh, back into some other uh, things that are in my schedule, but then the Spanish service starts at 2 but Deuteronomy 25 and verse 4, and see if your mind goes anywhere with this. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn. Anybody ever heard that verse used in relationship to finances? Okay. Then in 1 Timothy 5 and 18, for the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his hire. I know you've heard that one used. Relationship to finances. The Passion Translation says, For the scriptures have taught us, do not muzzle an ox or forbid it to eat while it grinds the grain, and also the one who labors deserves his wages. These passages were never originally, that passage from Deuteronomy that Paul is quoting in Timothy, it was not originally about finances at all as I will show you in a moment. Those passages talk about four things. The ox, the grain, a muzzle, and God. Four things. In the Bible, the ox represented faithfulness. In fact, when Ezekiel saw a vision of four living creatures that each had four faces around the glory of God, one of those faces, remember there was, an, there was the lion, there was the eagle, there was the face of the man. What was the fourth one? It was the face of an ox. In the book of Revelation, John sees the same thing, only these living creatures are not turning, so you don't see all four faces. They're looking straight on. You, you see one of each of these, so he describes these same four creatures again that were around the manifest glory of God. And the ox refers to faithfulness in a number of different ways. It's the faithfulness of the ox to its owner. 
never questions, complains, gets out there in the heat. It pulls the plow. It pulls the stone over the grain to crush it so that it can be winnowed and separated from the chaff. And this refers not only to faithfulness and service on our part, but the faithfulness of our Lord and our Christ. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Amen. Father, would you speak to us right now? These next few minutes, help me to articulate the words that would express your thoughts, the thoughts you want us to receive this morning. Because when you speak, your words have creative authority and someone in this room needs a word spoken over them that will recreate some things in their life and change their circumstances in a way that reflects your will for them, your plan for them, and that will bring you glory. And we thank you and everybody shouted and said, Amen. And so we have a number of basic needs that we have to have access to. Three things in particular. Not many. We often think we have to have cars and houses and designer clothes. And, and I think I have to have Cajun food and, and all of that. And some of you, it's not going to, you know, if you don't get a fajita every now and then, you know what I'm talking about. But Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen. Take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Possessions can make life easier and less complicated, but that doesn't mean your life is about how much stuff you gather. It was Winston Churchill who observed you make a living by what we, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And none of us enjoy just existing with our nose barely out of the water, do we? Whether that's in your marriage or other relationships, your finances, your ministry, your walk with God, your health. Who wants to live right there? None of us do. These three things that are basic and fundamental to your life, everybody knows them. It's not Gucci. Again, it's not having a Lamborghini. All that's nice. The three things you have to have are air, water, and food. You will not live to drive a Lamborghini if you own one. Or wear your designer clothes if you don't have those three things. Abraham Maslow developed what he called the hierarchy of human needs. And it begins with these these things. You have to have the physiological needs met that to sustain life before you can then move on to things that are also important, but not quite as much so, such as shelter or clothing. People who are hungry enough, they don't need security, do they? Because those that were in concentration camps in Germany and still are, there are many of them in North Korea, they will literally risk their lives to steal food to eat, and that is because security, while important, doesn't matter if you starve to death. It's interesting that there are spiritual corollaries to these three things. The air, 
that we must have when we look at the spirit man of which our inner being consists. And we're more spirit than we are body. People say, I'm a man, I have a soul. No, that's not the way life goes. You are a spirit being and you have a body. And when you realize that, you realize that air refers to the the breath of God, the ruach of God. That's the Hebrew word. And it says that the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, the ruach of God. And it said that God breathed in the Adam's nostrils the breath of life, the ruach of God. The wind, the ruach of God blew in the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel's vision and the bones came to life. Jesus breathed on them. That would have been the ruach of God. Only the New Testament written in Greek, but that's what it's referring to. And he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And it was the same ruach of God that blew into the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It's found many places in the Bible. You can't live spiritually. Your spirit man cannot live without God's breath. You will shrivel up inside and die. Not only that, the water, that is the second thing you have to have. You must have liquid in, and you must have water or your body will die. It, there will be nothing to flush out the poisons. And, and, and the water speaks of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said will be in you a well springing up into everlasting life. And if something stops up or clogs that well, you don't live very well after that. You don't live spiritually and thrive and food speaks to the need that we have for the bread of life the word of God Jesus said man shall not live by bread alone but he tells this to the devil but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God there is a proceeding word I need God's breath I need the the river of God's spirit I need the word of God And if I don't have those things, my inner man is going to suffer. Suffer. And people who try to live without that are always living with their nose just above the water, as it were, are just barely existing in terms of their inner being. And here's the thing. You can only live a few minutes without air. A few minutes. You can live three days, they tell us, without water. And approximately 40 days without food. This passage of scripture is not so much talking about finances, though Paul later, because of the remarkable transpositionality of scripture, meaning it can have more than one meaning at once, because God is such the saying he's an intellectual is not the right word. He is so omniscient that he can say one thing that has so many levels of meaning that it's unbelievable. And so Paul picks up on one of these meanings and talks about it from the financial perspective. Don't muzzle the ox that treads the corn. But in its original application, 
It was literally about an ox, an animal, a forming animal, an animal that, that never groaned, never complained, never talked back to its owner, and it just got out there and did what its owner asked it to do in the hot heat of the day, and it would, it would, it would plow, pull that load, and just do its job faithfully. And God said, you see that? I want to reward faithfulness. But there was something else going on that I'll refer to. And God said, because that ox is expending units of energy in the process of helping you build your destiny, Mr. Former. And he's helping you achieve your dreams, Mr. Former. Don't you dare muzzle that ox. Because it's expending energy on your behalf. And what you have to do is make sure there's something coming in to replace what is going out. There's an important lesson in all of this. Because in ministry you can become depleted. In life you become depleted. Oh, can somebody in the building say that's right? You encounter challenges. If you've ever been a caregiver or been involved in ministry, you know that when you deal with people's burdens, you don't just deal with their burden and walk off. You carry the weight of that with you. You carry the weight of that. And so God said, I want to put something back into you for everything that you are expending for me. And what that means is there's a mathematical formula. The more you give, the more you have access to. And the more that you expend, the more I'm going to supply. Oh, I wish somebody in the building could shout hallelujah. I feel this in my heart right now. Hallelujah. And so the greater your service, the greater the access that God grants you to the things of God. But here's what you need to know. Once the muzzle is removed and the former has complied with God's instruction, then now it's no longer the former's responsibility to provide a way for the ox to replenish expended units of energy. It's now up to the ox to make sure it maintains its own levels. Hmm. That's something to think about. You don't have a muzzle stopping you. There's the grain that you're treading. God said, don't you dare muzzle that animal. You must, in the process of expending life's units, have something coming back in. I'm talking to somebody that's been through some draining, emotional trying, difficult situations. There's an open door above you from heaven to pour back into you what you have been losing, but it's your responsibility because there is no muzzle. You got to come up to the trough and say, here I am, fill me up. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you've got to replenish what you're losing with the same thing that is being spent. So when you get on in your car and you go on a trip and you're burning gasoline, you don't stop by the guy that's selling firewood on the side of the road. 
and say, my tank is almost on E. Could I have some firewood? You need to put in your car what it's giving out. I need somebody in the building to say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Let me get in the river again. I need some more word. I need some revelation. I need to meet with God. I need to be in the presence of God. God provided for Israel a three-part plan to help them make sure that they were able to replenish the units of spirit that they were expending. First of all, when you breathe, you breathe approximately 12 to 18 breaths a minute. Are you aware of that? You didn't know, don't even think about it. 12 to 18 times a minute, the average person breathes. I've already told you, rabbis say that the unutterable name of God, Yahweh, which is spelled Y-A-H-W-E-H, that they leave the vowels out. They, they don't put the, e, the A and the E in there. And so they can't even speak the name. But they said, every time you breathe, God designed your body in such a way that you're saying Yahweh with every breath. When you breathe in, it's, and then out. You can't live without him. You can try to live without him, but you can't live without him. You need him every moment of your life. You need him every minute of your existence. Hello, somebody. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more strain and stress you get in, the more faster you breathe. And you can go from 18 breaths a minute if you're running to quite a few more, but then run up a hill. Now you're really, <sighs> Yahweh, 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 the more stress you get in, the more you need God and his spirit to run through your life and through your being. Hallelujah. In Deuteronomy 6, God said there were some things that Israel had to do every day. There are also some things that they had to do each week. And I'll close with some things they had to do three times each year. And so in Deuteronomy 6, beginning verse Eight, you shall bind them, talking about philatrophies, and they have a little box right here. And if you've ever seen Orthodox Jews pray, they wrap these straps around their arm in their hand. And what you might not know is those spell the letters Yahweh without the vowels. If you look at it, every one of them is wrapped the same way. That little box is the same verses of scripture, and they build, bend their arm like this. Why? David said, thy word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Inside that little box right over the heart is the word of God. 
They've got the name of the Lord in front of them on their forearm. Then they have it on the head also with a box right there because your mind is protected by the word of God. God said, you do this every day of your life. He, would, he told the Orthodox Jews that. Now, we don't have philatrophies that we use. We don't have those little boxes and so forth. But that speaks to something in our lives that we do need. And that is a daily devotional life. Thank you. Thank you for all three of those amens. I am grateful for your huge support. On that one important point, let me try it again. I said, we need a daily devotional life. That is why I send out the devotions that we write and you get one every day if you're subscribed. If not, at the end of the service, you can text to the number that will be on the screen. You can get one. Though it's been mysterious team. I'm not supposed to mention their names, but that, that phone service provider that starts with a T and then has a dash and then an M-O-B. And then another one that used to be called Ma somebody or other. Y'all remember? And begins with an A. They shut us down for a while because of objectionable content that did not meet their standards. All because, I'm serious. I got the, when they sent me that, I couldn't believe it. I didn't use any profanity. I didn't say anything ugly. We finally got, this happens, by the way, it's not the first time. It's happened a number of times. And we keep having to go through the same process. But. Between me and you, you can almost say anything you want to and they won't shut you down. But if Jesus gets involved in it. But if you want to subscribe, I send out a devotional every day. And you don't have to even have to subscribe to that one. Go online. There are a number of great devotionals. But you need every day of your life to be talking to God. You need the word of God in your life. And then, like I said, even when we're breathing, we're doing, we're speaking his name unintentionally. When you know that you are about to go into a difficult situation, or if you are in the middle of one, don't do it subliminally or unconsciously. Do it intentionally. Focus on that. Yahweh, Jesus, 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 I need you. Hallelujah. Speak the name of the Lord in the middle of your circumstance. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Everybody said amen. That's what Paul says. Number two. Let me move on because I don't have time to finish this. You're to gather weekly. That was the other thing. The, one of the other three things. There were three things altogether. One of the other two that I haven't discussed. That God asked the Jewish people to do. Gather on the Sabbath and worship. 
This is why we read in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Luke 14, 16, so it came to pass where he had, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. You see that? Jesus went to church on the Sabbath. In today's world, it is one of the great tragedies, and this is why people lose the awe of God, that attendance has waned to about one and a quarter to one and a half times a month. Ooh, somebody's saying, man, you're making it uncomfortable. Not my intention. What I'm trying to do is point out that whenever you are not Breathing, you die. And when you don't have water, you die. And that's why some of you, when you come to church, we got to do CPR for the first 10 minutes. Stop that and behave yourself. I know you didn't say it. I'll tell it to myself. Daily devotional lives matter if you're going to maintain the awe of God. But not only a daily devotional life, corporate worship matters. Why? Because I'm the pastor. I'm going to make a confession. I'm one of them. Whenever you are buried under a load of opposition and problems that you can't get through. Whether that's a bad diagnosis, and I've had a ton of them. Whether that's problems, and I face those. Mine and everybody else's. And you carry the weight of other people's problems in addition to your own. And you're expending these units of energy. And carrying the grief of others, the stress of others which is what we all should do, bear one another's burdens is what the writer said. But when you do this, and this is your life, sometimes you come to the house of God and man, anybody ever hitchhike? Anybody in the building ever hitchhike? I see some hands going up. Don't want to do it anymore. In church, it's allowed though. In church, in the building. I was preaching somewhere the other day and we drove through an area and there were signs posted that said there was a prison nearby and if there are hitchhikers, they could be escaped prisoners. Don't pick them up. Don't worry. Thanks for the sign. We may have some escaped prisoners in this house this morning that just got away from the devil by the skin of their teeth. I would urge you to help them. You know what I'm talking about? When you can't raise your hands, you feel like you're so burdened down, but you come in and the people around you begin to lift up God and suddenly you're hitchhiking on the worship that is in the building and you feel the presence of God. 
And whatever the problem was, you suddenly realize it's not there. And then I conclude. Finally, there were three times each year that God commanded Israel to go up to Jerusalem. Now, some of them lived a long way away and there wasn't a limousine service and there weren't any airplanes and, and there were no buses. And, and so many people lived in the Jordanian Valley. There were whole tribes that lived in the valley, had to cross the river even. And they had to come up beginning near Jericho and they had to climb up the mountain to get to Jerusalem, which was 17 miles from from Jericho, but it was a long distance. And so the, the, this, this distance, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jerusalem is something like 2,500 feet above sea level. But there are places in the Jordanian Valley that are 1,275 feet below sea level. And so what that means is, is that, um, that you had to go from this point down here, 3,775 feet and a short distance, and it was all uphill. So you're climbing, and God said, I know it's a challenge, but three times a year, I need you to be there. Why? Jade preached just recently about shock and awe. Three times a year, God set Israel up to have a divine encounter with his presence. And everybody came together. You will not be able to maintain from day to day with the normal vicissitudes of life and the patterns of living. There are highs, there are lows. Everybody goes through them. Your emotions cannot sustain a single continuous outburst. They can't. It's not like putting the accelerator against the floor. So you're not supposed to be stressed by that. You're supposed to continue to maintain the daily devotional thing every day, be in the house of God. But then God said, if you will do that, I will set it up where you're going to have some encounters. And they're going to change your life. And you know what's happening right now? Here at Inspire Church, we seem to be coming into a season and we've been in one for a while where there is a God encounter that, that is occurring here. And I'm really done. Don't you muzzle the ox. And by ox, I mean, you're being faithful to God don't you limit yourself when God is saying, this is a time of abundance. This is a time when I'm pouring my spirit out. You run after God. You hunger for God. You pursue God. And when you're in those moments of daily devotion, and it might be the low part of, you, of the, the whole cycle with you, you don't stop pursuing. You're like David. As a deer pants after the water brook. So my soul pants after thee, O oh God. And when Sunday comes, may have to hitchhike for a little while, but 
I'm going to be there with my thumb out. Hallelujah. Until I can feel the glory of his presence invade my soul. Why? Because I know that if I do, before this year is over, God's going to show up and knock at my door. And I'm going to have an encounter with the majesty of God. Would you stand with me across the building? Have I helped anybody this morning? Maintain the awe of God. Every head is bowed. Prayer counselors, please come. Could I see the hands of those in the building that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I want an encounter with God. I want to give my heart to God. I want to know God. If you don't serve the Lord yet or you've felt your personal experience become cold, raise your hand say, that's that's me. In fact, wave them just like that. I need God. I need God. I see hands waving at me. Thank you. Thank you. All over the balcony, the risers, keep the back. The, that's it. I need an encounter with God, Pastor. I need an encounter with God. In a moment, I'm going to open the altar and give us a chance to come. But it's your job to feed God remove the muzzle. God took the muzzle away. Now it's your responsibility to keep the tank full. And I love this. Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But go to Acts chapter 4. And it said the building where they were praying was shaken and it says this and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit that's the same bunch two chapters later how many chapters has it been since you've been filled with the Holy Spirit (laughs) fill me up Lord fill me up I want to be full And that is not to make anybody feel uncomfortable or bad. It's rather to let you know the door to heaven is open. God's got his great big dump truck backed up, ready to pour out into your life everything that you need. So I'm praying for those that raise their hands. Father, save those that need to be saved. Forgive them of their sins. Come into their hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. And we give you praise. And we welcome them as our brothers and sisters into the kingdom of God as they begin their journey together with us. And now let's have a party for a moment. Let's welcome them. Come on. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer with us, they'll put a number up on the screen. You can respond to that information that you're seeing on the screen that you will be seeing it's supposed to be up there and it'll get up there in just a minute but at any rate yeah thank you i think there it is and if you need baptism salvation um whatever you need prayer request and then they'll put the one up for the devotional i spoke about but this is what i want to do there are people that need breakthroughs in this place right now you don't have to all come i'm going to ask those that want an encounter to come, come right now. If you would, from across the building, people that need to touch God, come on, that's right, amen. You may need a God encounter in your life, your marriage, 
your ministry. That's right. Keep coming. Keep coming. God's going to do some incredible and awesome things for people here today. You need deliverance? Come on. Need a miracle? Come on. Need healing? Come on. We've been having so much deliverance occur in services. Come on. I recognize that the fire is not burning as bright as I want it to, Lord. So I'm coming today. Amen. Coming because I feel the need of a fresh touch. Coming because I've been walking through some challenges recently. Pastor preached to me today, Lord. I want to replace the units of energy that have been expended. Amen. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, I thank you for every precious heart that is in this altar. And I'm asking you to open heaven over us right now. And breathe into us. I want you to lift your hands with me and say, breathe on me. Come on, let me hear you. Breathe. Breathe on me. I'm stepping into the river. There's a river down here right now. And I'm stepping into the river, Lord. Here I am. I'm presenting myself to be in the river. James, I want you to lead us to the the throne of God. Lead us into the presence of the Lord. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, I pray that you would move right now. I pray that you will touch hearts right now. I pray that you will minister to needs right now. I pray that you will pour out your spirit. I pray that those that are reaching after you, pursuing, will encounter and meet and find what they're chasing for. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I ask it for your glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.